Bilibili. It's a Chinese website that's become a powerhouse in anime, comics, and gaming content. Content that's more popular than ever around the world. Today, a member of the Dumb Money community is going to join us. He says that Bilibili is the company best positioned to monetize this trend. The site, created by anime fans, for anime fans, it has an extremely loyal user base. He says that they're like Netflix meets YouTube. They fund original anime, documentaries, live action shows, and they leverage millions of hours of user-generated content. So today on Dumb Money, is there an information arbitrage opportunity here that most investors have missed? We're going to listen and learn and decide if Billy Billy is an investment for us. This is Dumb Money Live with Chris Camillo, Dave Hansen, and Jordan McLean, streaming live on YouTube. We are Dumb Money. Hey there, Dave here along with Chris and Jordan. We are Dumb Money. Welcome to Dumb Money Live, another investment thesis today that was discovered by the Dumb Money Discord community. And if you're not in our Discord, head to dumbmoney.tv slash Discord to be a part of it there. It's free. It's packed with great discussions. Our guest today was has posted actually, I think, two different uh, thesis, theses, theses on this particular stock. Theses? Is theses. That, is, is that, that it? it? That just sounds... Maybe. I don't know. That just sounds weird. I don't know either. Well, I don't know either. But I'll tell you this, I'm so proud to have people in our community that are willing to dive this deep into a subject matter because I would be doing nothing but this for a month, just doing Billy Billy anime research in China. And we have someone that's done a month worth of research or more for the community. So how crazy is that? By the way, before we get started, we're not financial advisors. We're going to go over our methodology today. We're going to go over research. I haven't even made a decision if I want to buy Billy Billy for myself. I do not own any. But Dave, and Jordan, I'm going to make a decision on this episode whether I'm going to get in, Billy Billy or not. But if I do it, don't mimic our trade, guys. We don't know your risk tolerance. You do your own research, okay? This is about strategy and methodology and art. It's an example how of how to think, this, right? not what to do. Yes, okay. So I'm going to make that decision today. Are you you guys in this yet or not? I'm not. I'm not no. in it, no. I, I basically, right. my research started this morning. Uh, I read the report, which I, I hadn't read either of them. So I read both reports and uh, I went They're to the good. website. I discussed discovered that I don't speak Chinese or read Chinese characters, although I did watch some of the videos and they, a lot of them have English subtitles. And then this weird, like, it's like they have the live chat going across the video. I, I could not watch it for more than uh, a few minutes, but let's bring in our guest. Why don't we? Okay. Uh, we don't actually have him on camera. He's, uh, he's in, in hiding, I guess. Um, but this is, uh, Jang, Jang Jishi. That's Welcome right. to the Thank show. Thank you for having me. I'll call him J. Welcome, JJ. Can you tell you. us the background of your avatar so we all understand and why you chose it? So, you know, I I guess I'm privacy conscious. Uh, and, you know, especially when money's involved, I don't like to, you know, put my name and face out there. Uh, you know. <laughs> but, Understood. Um, why this avatar? What's special? The about? avatar, what, what, what? it's, uh, you know, all my friends, they, they took random historical characters. So I thought I should, you know, dive into history to, to make my avatar John Jishi. Nice. So he's nice. a generalist of the Republic of China, you know, he he fled to Taiwan and everything. So that's a history. Well, okay, so it's relevant to the trade thesis because this is a Chinese company. This is a cultural movement that is more prominent in the 
East than the West. Um, it's one that I've been intrigued with for a long time, but I don't really understand it. I, I have a bias, and my bias is against it because I don't understand it, and it's not appealing to me at all. So, like that is that is a bad, you know, that's a bad thing to have any bias when you're an investor to have a good bias or bad bias. People don't realize that. People are like, oh, right. you're just you're a fan of this of this company, so you're investing. It's equally dangerous sometimes to not invest in something because you don't personally get it or don't doesn't it personally appeal to you. Right. Um, that's why you're on the show today. So take us, just take us from the top All down. Right. What is ad, what's going on with anime? Before so, we even talk about Billy Billy, yeah. forget about Billy Billy. Talk let's talk about the anime movement. Tell us about that. Right. I think I think understanding the the this this global trend I call it uh, of anime uh, is really important to understanding any uh, trade that you might make. Um, in my original document, and I encourage anyone to read it, um, you know, I highlighted several different publicly traded companies, some Japanese, some, you know, and Billy Billy being Chinese, uh, to try to isolate, you know, what is the best way to play this trend. But uh, to go, you know, to loop back to the start, I think that anime is um, really becoming mainstream. And it's not just in the East, but it's in the West as well. I think, um, you know, I've been, you know, here's the thing. It's um, it's very difficult to, uh, you know, pick these, like you said, uh, to pick trades where you have a bias because you're not a fan or you're not interested in the product. And that's a dangerous thing. But I personally have been a fan of anime for, you know, for years. I, I'm only 18, but I started watching anime, you know, like eight years ago. And that's where all my, you know, my knowledge about anime comes from. And so I've seen it uh, go from something that, you know, maybe a couple kids in my school, a couple of my friends, I mean, I sought them out because they like anime and it's, it's a fun thing. But uh, right now it's, it's very culturally acceptable to, uh, you know, be a fan of anime in the West. It was kind of, uh, it's still stigmatized somewhat. I'm not, and I'm not, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, a hug box about it. It's just, you know, it was a weird thing. And now I think because of, Netflix, because of uh, Amazon, Hulu, uh, bringing anime content to the West, I think more people than ever, more kids than ever have watched anime and are, are just familiar with, uh, with it and they're, they're comfortable with it. Okay, so t tell us about what's happening right now with anime this last year specifically. Right. Like, like, is it obvious, and how much of that is related to the pandemic? That's going to be my my biggest red flag. The thing that I'm most worried about before we even get talking about Billy 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 is is this another one of those stocks that will deflate somewhat once we're out of the pandemic, which to me is imminent now. It's like in the next six to twelve months. So tell us about the last year in anime, or is it something that sticks? Like I. Think I I think Connected anime is the most sticky, uh, you know, entertainment media out there. It's kind of hard to believe, but uh, at face value. But I think that um, while anime is a medium, you can have any kind of story told through anime, uh, whether it's, you know, like a superheroes or, um, you know, a romance story or, you know, some kind of tragedy. Um, it's um, for most people, especially online there, um, it's more of a it's like a it's a subculture in and of itself. It's not like i just watch anime but you know you'll see people with the anime profile picture and they post anime memes and gifs and and all alike i think um anime has a lot of uh tropes and you know commonalities and catchphrases and you know funny moments that are very easily uh, shareable and so it's kind of a mimetic content which is why i think it it has huge holding power because it's not just that you watch anime but you're on billy billy your community is anime um and it's you know it's 
like your lifeblood. So a lot of people are crazy about it. But to answer, um, you know, what's happening with the pandemic, I don't really see, um, you know, I have to be, we have to all be honest, uh, the pandemic has put so many, you know, more eyes in front of anime, especially in the West through Netflix and the like. Um, and this year, they've expanded their their range of uh, content in, in anime uh, considerably. Um, but in China, you know, the, the pandemic's pretty much over. And so, um, you know, we might be able to expect a, a, a decline in, you know, monthly active users and a little bit of the stickiness, but I think the 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 overwhelming stickiness of anime as a as a as you know a medium is what is going to is going to you know overshadow any pandemic woes that might come to the stock. And while Dave, so we... Billy Billy has it, it is kind of the hub for anime, but they also have right. a lot of other content. You say this is the place for the under thirty crowd in China to hang out. They do live streaming. You, you say original content, educational videos, esports, mobile gaming, merchandise. So this is. I mean, and the the little bit of time I spent just trying to figure out what the site is about, this is the kind of thing that's going on on this site. What yes. in the world is that? And is it possible to even watch for more than so a few it's minutes? Called, um, it's called Bullet Chat, I believe. Um, so I guess we have to go into the history of Billy Billy. It was founded in 2009 um, by, you know, this college grad that was, you know, a super anime fan. And so um, there was a site called uh, Nico Nico Doga in Japan, which just means Nico Nico Video. And it was, cr again, Created kind of out of YouTube um, as a as a you know a community for anime fans to share videos and you know content related to that original content and so Nico Nico I believe um, created this concept of having these these bullet chats these chats that swipe across the screen like that you can turn them off but uh, Billy Billy you know kindly copied them uh, and incorporated them into their own version of Nico Nico that's how Billy Billy started but as you said it's really expanded into a you know a youth pop culture zone and community there's there's gotcha. live streaming there's gaming and all the other stuff that you might see on on twitch or or youtube right explain that to me what i'm seeing because I, I understand what you're saying but explain why someone likes watching that because that to me is but just terrible if you think about it so there are ways. a lot a of live hard. streams where you have the the chat that is a lot faster than our chat where it, you can't even see it they usually don't fill the whole screen with it but like if you watch gaming that's the that's the the same content that's going on here. Our live chat, by the way. But Dave, thank you, you guys can't for being even a part see the it. screen. I don't get it. You could turn it off. Um, I mean, people like it. it it's like a, um, you know, bullet chat this if you, like, I want to see a yes or a hello in the bullet chat, right? It's the same thing, like, you know, we got to get the, the, the video up to 200 likes or it's the, on a, on Periscope, the hearts that come up, right? Yeah. Okay, so it's you probably it's like wouldn't a, it's watch like that a for a super long period of time then. Um, actually, yeah, people will, I mean, you could turn off the bullet chat if you don't want and it will I believe it will show in the corner uh, yeah, I just, just I couldn't figure out the interface because the buttons right, are all in also in Chinese so uh, I'm not very good the, at this the average time um, the average time watch is like or spent on the site daily is like 81 minutes so you know it's not like a short form video site like a Douyin or you know TikTok Gotcha. Dave, I, can we pull up like an anime G-Trend chart for the world and just get an idea for the degree to which this is hasn't just accelerated this year, but maybe in the last few years, if this trend 
uh, you know, has been consistently picking up steam, which I, I think it has been from reading your report here. Certainly the anime market size in the U.S. has been going up regularly yep. from like 260 million in 2014 to what looks to be like a, a billion-ish uh, today. And before um, I switch this to worldwide, here is the past five years just for the term anime in the U.S. And you can see that it has this uh, jump up here since, uh, you know, since about this year. And then... But Dave, over that, that's my concern is now it's interesting like i'm surprised it didn't wasn't growing until this year like it looks pretty flat the prior four years flat to trending so, down for four years right do we know what's driving that but revenue is going up oddly it says in in the u.s every year since 2015 um yet the the search i don't know searching for anime i don't know if searching for the word anime necessarily yeah, it's a bit is, difficult some yeah, of the tags yeah. i used were watch anime but how about um you pull up the if you will, um, some of the hit shows that have really taken off this year. So you can kind of see a single show's growth. So one is Attack on Titan. There's another season, I believe, the final season of the of the show, of the adaptation, rather. Uh, and so I think you'll see how it's growing. So you have big peaks. But where do you see this show? Is this a show that's U.S.-based? This is streamed on Netflix. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure about the other uh, sites. Probably Crunchyroll. Crunchyroll is a streaming site that's devoted to anime, uh, and it's owned by a Sony. Just acquired it from uh, Time Warner. Okay, so I'm gonna look because what's the name of the show again? Attack on Titan. Attack on Titan. And season two, Attack on Titan is is a uh, the top related query. Attack on Titan anime. Right. So it's still just as a reference point, this isn't necessarily a terrible thing, but as a reference point, I overlaid what I believe to be one of the strongest benchmarks for Netflix, which is Stranger Things, of course. Right. And, um, you know, it's still considerably smaller than that. Uh, it, it's about 150th uh, in some, at least when Stranger Things pops, right? Like when it pops. But you know what? I, it, that might be unfair. It doesn't look like this show has really any spikes. So I don't know if this yeah, it's interesting. Happen. But to me, this I'm shouldn't sure. really even like be a huge deal, right? Because most of their growth is in China. Yeah, this is a Chinese company, you know, right. first and foremost. Um, you know, I've looked at the site a couple times, um, but you know, because I don't speak Chinese, uh, you know, I'm not going to go on it every day. Right. It's uh, it's really for the 200 million odd right now uh, monthly active users they have that are all in mainland China, Hong Kong, Taiwan. But they did have an investor presentation in English, which was um, pretty interesting yeah. to look well, at the growth. Is there an ADR on mm -hmm. the attic? Yeah. Um, Jordan, what did you learn from that? Was there anything that you... So the biggest takeaway, and I didn't like memorize anything, but I mean, they've got real revenue, right? And so I don't remember the exact, um, you know, multiple they're trading at, but it's like 10 times sales or something like that's focused on growth, but reasonable. I mean, I thought it was a reasonable multiple. Um, and um, they're all the charts that they had for like daily active users and all these um, all of these key metrics looked really good. I mean, they were growing um, and it looked like it was the ramp was steepening and not flattening on most of the metrics that they had. So so that's that's good to know that that's the known, right? So like yeah. if we're we're sitting here, we know that we know the known. What is the unknown? What what is it that the market is missing? Are they is does this have how big are the legs on anime post pandemic? Like you watch JJ, you watch a lot of anime, right? So maybe you're a little biased, but do you think someone that got into anime in 2020 come 2021, 2022, is it the type of thing that once you get hooked, you're kind of hooked for it life? Abs it absolutely. Um, I think that the stickiness factor is the reason is this kind 
kind of information edge that, uh, you know, these sell side analysts uh, don't fully understand because, uh, you know, uh, Billy Billy's, as, as Jordan said, the, the KPIs and the metrics look great. And that's why they killed earnings, uh, you know, last month. But um, I think that's the that's the clincher. It's the it's the fact that anime is extremely sticky once you're in. And because Billy Billy is now host to, a, you know, a wide variety of, uh, you know, you know, subcultures and pop culture in China, um, pe- more people are going to be exposed to anime, which is going to keep them engaged with the site, you know, prompt them to pay for a subscription, which gives them access to streaming and other other benefits and, uh, you know, generally be an anime fan for life. Um, so I thought what was interesting about your report was that, you know, a lot of times these companies that just do straight anime maybe aren't as profitable. But since these guys are involved in gaming and merchandise and things like that, it makes them a lot more profitable. Absolutely. That, yeah. So, so is that streaming some... anime is or rather uh, producing anime is like a cutthroat, uh, you know, business. It's it's not very profitable. So a lot of the money comes from these, you know, these side, you know, these side things, selling merchandise, selling a promotional events with the with the voice actors and voice actors, selling live events and, and all that stuff uh, and games, especially um, something that's important about Billy Billy is that um, for a very long time, it's starting to change now, majority of the revenue came from mobile games. And so they have, you know, dozens of uh, different games. Their, their business model is that they will, uh, you know, they'll take the game from a from the publisher rather, and then they'll distribute it in China. And so and so there's a revenue sharing model uh, associated with that. And so uh, they're the the game type that they mostly, you know, dabble in is called a gotcha game. And it's like it's it's microtransactions. It's like loot box on steroids, I call it. Um, they're all they're mostly mobile games and you you essentially are rolling for packs or different characters to fight with in the in the game, the most simply simply put. And um, I guess this is one of the risks uh, that there are um, Chinese regulatory issues we have to be careful with Billy Billy. Last year the Chinese government said enough is enough with people, you know, getting addicted to these games and the likes. A lot we're having this conversation in the West now. And so they they actually limited the number of uh, roles people can do every every day to 30, I believe. And I think the stock has survived since that. So that's a, a bit priced in, I would say. Um, but because these uh, live streaming, uh, you know, like Super Chat on YouTube, uh, they have something called Billy Billy GIF, which is just the same thing. And uh, the government recently announced regulations to to limit uh, the amount of money people can spend and the frequency people can spend on these uh, on these live performers and streamers and the like. Dude, so a couple, qu- I have a couple questions. One, sure. uh, first of all, you, I mean, I'm shocked that you're 18 years old. Like, I, I know there's a lot of comments <laughs> right now about like, is this guy really 18? You don't sound 18. I mean, how long have you been investing? How are you 18 and capable of putting together this type of research? It's incredible. Like, is your family from the investment industry? Like, give us a little No, not at all. Uh, I mean, I come from a very fortunate family. You know, they, um, I guess my first investment was in the stock market, at least. I've been interested in crypto for a couple of years was um, in 2017. It was in AMD. And I feel like looking back on it, that that was my, that was a social arb investment uh, because I was, you know, I was very interested in AMD versus Intel versus NVIDIA, the, 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 the kind of graphics card 
card wars and the the, the CPU wars. Um, and I saw that uh, AMD's Ryzen was likely to take a lot of market share away from Intel in both server and um, you know personal computing. And uh, you know I guess guess I just got, got started from there, and that was a success. Are you in college now? Are you in school? Or are you yep. work, you uh, work for a living? I am in uh, a freshman in uh, public university. Okay, cool. I mean, listen, I, I love the fact that kids your age are really not just investing, like actually spending the time to deep dive into investment research. It's really impressive. Reminds me of myself, but at the time, I think I was the only person in the city that did anything like that at that age. Um, so it's cool to hear. Uh, well, tell me about these virtual YouTubers. Like they call, they're like virtual YouTubers right. on Billy Billy. That's astonishing. So guys, Dave, Jordan, they have these, I guess because there's avatars, you don't even have to put yourself on tape. You can just kind of be a virtual YouTuber or Billy Billy streamer and it's yeah. blowing up and there are people earning seven figures now. Some of the top people earning seven figures without even having a real personal presence. Like how does that work? So uh, yeah, right. And I, I'm sure people, someone in the chat is um, is familiar with uh, VTubers, virtual YouTubers. They're very popular on YouTube as well. Uh, most of them uh, hail from Japan, uh, but they it's like uh, they're using a face rig or some kind of motion capture device like that. Um, and they are imposing their facial features on a anime avatar in most cases. And so, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a show you're playing a character and, but they solicit a ridiculous amount of revenue from super chat from Billy Billy gift. It's, it's, it's honestly agree, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's super popular. And that's, that is the thing. I think live streaming is the thing that's taken off during the pandemic and the, the G transfer live streaming look great. Um, and of all of the uh, verticals that Billy Billy is in, which I don't think we've even touched on all of them. Um, that is the that's the one that is most uh, you know vulnerable to the end of the pandemic because people are not going to have as much time to stay at home and spend their money disposable income on uh, you know virtual anime girls to <laughs> to put it. But, yeah, I thought the other risk that you brought up is that anime is on the decline in Japan, which is kind of where um, the genre originated. What why is that? And do you see that you know I, basically there's just a shelf life for anime, and then we're going to see a decline? I don't think I think it's an interesting thing because. Anime hit, I guess it's hit peak popularity. There's, you can argue based on looking at comics and looking at games and the like to try to judge what the state of anime is. But I think it's, um, I think anime has become ex pretty commercialized and kind of tropic. And um, a lot of the stalwarts of the, you know, the pioneers of anime, if you will, have said, you know, they've lamented and how the industry hasn't really progressed as they wanted it to. Because, you know, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that sells that's not necessarily necessarily creative genius um and but i think that um while anime is in decline in japan it is seeing a boost in in taiwan in china and that kind of segues into billy billy's original video just like netflix uh they fund original animation and they partner with japanese studios to do so in most cases uh billy billy has been producing their own anime um in chinese and everything for their domestic market and those have seemingly taken off um it was a little they were a little
little fuzzy on the details in the the recent uh, earnings call, but they said that um, in three months, I'm not sure if they're talking about their whole original anime division or just one anime, reached 260 million views. And so I think people, Chinese, uh, you know, domestic Chinese people are really interested in seeing Billy Billy uh, original anime content because they're like the only people that are are really doing it, really promoting it uh, within China. It's amazing, dude. And and like, oh, like I, I love the fact this particular company, now like we could believe or not believe in the anime trend as a mega global trend. This particular company seems to be so focused on community and Absolutely. growing, you, like, orga- like, you know, like letting organic communities thrive. And just like, I find that fascinating. And I, I think it's, I don't want to compare it to Snapchat, but I feel like Am I wrong by saying that it, Billy Billy might be at the end of the day a trade on the youth of China? I would I youth? would definitely say that because um, I think where Billy Billy differs from YouTube is in the community. I actually uh, got this from a blog post on Billy Billy, which is kind of indicative of what I'm talking about. Um, Billy Billy has a core fan base of anime fans because it was built by anime fans, and they've always been with the site for you know 11 years now. I think the management is really on board with the idea of community and keeping, you know, their loyal fans happy. Uh, They've been really resistant to, um, actually, it's surprising, on YouTube, everyone is familiar with and either loves or hates the advertisements that pre-roll before a video. But Billy Billy has, uh, I believe, never had that. They've they've monetized and advertised in different ways um, because, uh, you know, they feel like they owe it to their fans to, you know, preserve the enjoyable, you know, experience that they they've kept for so long i the um the original founder still on the board and i think he's president and the the largest shareholder or the i think the ceo rather chen brew i think his name is um you know he said he's been a a fan of the site and he's been a member of the site since 2010 so i think the management gets it they get the community aspect and you know that's what's selling the that's what's selling the stock that's what's selling uh, that's what's promoting their growth rate how much of this company's and i know i have i'm flipping back through your your uh uh, your thesis and your, your report, but how much of their community and their member base is China versus surrounding countries? Like, are they Japan, Korea? I'm not they quite all... sure because, like, you know, there's a diaspora of Chinese people uh, across the world, especially in the United States. Um, but I would say I would take it that a vast majority of their um, of their user base is located uh, domestically within China. Can, can we talk you know about what? for a second uh, kind of a reoccurring theme that that we have, especially when trying to, to analyze these Chinese stocks, the, the data sources that you go to, you mentioned the blog that you found a blog post. Where where are you finding pieces of information about this company, about other Chinese companies that the general public, the investing public probably hasn't yet thought of? I think it comes from my my own personal experience with anime and just, you know, being in the, I guess, the, the Western anime community and, try, and you know, peering into what's happening in China. Um, you know, the first time I went on Billy Billy was because uh, I was um, I was seeing how uh, virtual YouTubers metrics were doing there because I was just curious one day and so I you know I was aware of the site before but then 
And I found that the same model that is seemingly exploding on YouTube, because I've been watching virtual YouTubers take off this year. Um, and the uh, I wanted to see, well, I was starting to think, um, you know, think like an investor. I wanted to see what was happening. And so that was my first experience with with Billy Billy. But the, the way I got most of this information in my original document was just, uh, I mean, I don't want to sound rude, but it was just from my head because I've just been, uh, you know, a casual anime fan, I guess, for for a long time. Gotcha. Because we're always we're always looking for, you know, we've been talking about this in the show lately. Right. Data sources. You know, the, the, there's a lot of data like Weibo or Weibo translations, you know, ways to track uh, search traffic coming from China. It's something that we'll probably spend more time on in the next few months here at Dumb Money. But, you know, since you've done some research on Billy Billy, just curious if you've used any data sources or even even like have you tapped into Weibo or tapped into any anything beyond Billy Billy or do, do you do any translation? Right. Or or, or are you just focused on things that are in English? I've been focusing on English content, but there are some resources that let you peer into, um, for instance, the Gotcha Gaming. There's a subreddit that where people discuss the revenue numbers in China and in the U.S. for for these games. So you can kind of track, um, you know, which games under Billy Billy's portfolio are really doing well or or potentially in decline. Um, but I, someone um, on the Dumb Money Discord who is, I, I suppose, Chinese. Um, uh, was or two people rather? Sorry, got ahead of myself. Someone on the on the in the community sent me the uh, Baidu index data that I was looking for uh, for just the term Billy Billy, and I sent it in the the Skype um, chat. But uh, I have not been able to get on Baidu index because you need a Chinese an active Chinese phone number to register an account. So if you guys were looking to get Baidu index data, uh, that would be the thing. You could like purchase a Chinese phone number somehow, whether it's virtual or physical yeah we're, we're, we're gonna look at we're gonna look into um how we extract data coming out coming out of china that, that's that's a great note and here's um, the uh, let me ask you this were, let's uh, just say the anime flatline chat let's say let's say anima, anime flatline and how does that mean just just theoretically globally mm-hmm. um what does that mean for the future of billy billy can they still thrive like thrive even if anime kind of just flatlines because they have enough other things going on uh that have growth or are they think, or are they so, pinned to anime they there have they have a base in anime, but um, different people who have experience with the site, uh, some of them are in the community, have told me that it's it's really growing into a you know a youth pop culture hub. And there are other Chinese streaming companies like Joy, which was just targeted by uh, Muddy Waters for you know fraudulently you know doing X Y and Z. But um, another company is Huya and or rather Douyu also have uh, game like streaming for gaming, um, and they're so they're much more focused on gaming so i feel like if anime were to flatline as you proposed they would be the larger benefactors but um i would say that's just a hypothetical i think i would ask you are you talking about anime in japan or anime or like original no, just, anime just, in just anime in general but kind of just starts to kind of flatline like we come out of the pandemic and people are getting back to normal life and you know we we, we retain most of the lift that we saw in anime but we don't see a huge pop in growth because people are starting to travel more and they're getting out of their house and just have a little bit less time
time on their hands than they did in 2020 over the next couple of years. I just want to know what the risk factors are. I want to know how big of a deal is that uh, in terms of preventing Billy Billy's growth? Because Billy Billy does have, I think, one big competitor in the, like the Chinese YouTube space, right? Like who's their main competitor in terms of streaming, like self-streaming stuff in China? I think I you think have it. It's Huya? I think it's Huya. Maybe. Or it's a, I mean, I or feel it's like a they're bigger. They're bigger, right? In terms of like user base. I believe so. I'm not I'm not certain. Yeah. So I I, I feel like just knowing that that Billy Billy is kind of pinned a little bit to anime, uh, the big question as an investor is can they, you know, are they more pinned to anime or are they more pinned to youth? Right. And I don't think that it's necessarily a bad decision saying, hey, I'm gonna throw some money into the future of anime and assume it's going to continue to grow. I just want to know what the what the you know risk factors are, right? Am I, I think their I think their numbers um, will probably slow if anime just you know takes a you know flat lines over you know over the years and because they're priced for for growth and continuing the the strength they've had um, in their advertising in their e commerce um, you know there is a risk the stock will will you know we'll see a lower share price in the future. All right, so so so, so you are you are definitely pinned to anime because the fa- if the if that anime fan base doesn't get recycled with newer people um, or people grow out of it, for instance, uh, then you'll lose the community that Billy Billy has, you know, has created over 10 years. Okay. But, but the interesting fair. thing, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it is a trade on anime, but it has the benefits of having, um, you know, popular documentaries in, in the kind of Netflix style uh, model of original content production and the like. Um, but the interesting thing is that they have been keeping their, um, you would expect as the site grows, the average age of the users would would increase as they as they get older and as they mature with the site. But they've been able to funnel in enough enough uh, young people to keep that age, you know, I believe in the teens. Um, and so it, I believe that would be the proof or the example as to why you would say that this is a trade on youth, not just anime. And I think it's a trade on content. Let's remember that Billy, 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 they own their own content, right? Like they, they license, they create, they distribute, like they're a content house ultimately. And, and anime is obviously the center of what they do. Well, it's, it's mixed. They have, they have some user generated content. They have content created that they create themselves. And then they have like live streaming and things that, that is just community driven. I mean, Dave, they have a hundred million users watching educational videos right on tech and you know tech and knowledge which is a big deal like you know owning owning that kind of youthful demographic and owning their eyeballs gives them the ability to expand well beyond where they are today right there's so much opportunity there that's right. What I see. So, and I, I think that if you could funnel those eyes into anime um, to keep that community going, which I think is happening, um, you have something that is different than all of the than YouTube, for instance. Um, this um, I would really recommend everyone uh, look at the uh, document I'll post in the Discord. It's called "Why Billy Billy Is Not YouTube," and the main reason that this investor um, points out is that um, YouTube does not care about uh, who uses their site um, for what purposes. Because while Billy Billy, yes, has different, um, you know, pop culture subcultures in it, 
Um, on YouTube, there are so many different uh, you know groups and circles of content, and they don't really interact that much with each other. But Billy Billy, maybe it's just kind of this you know Chinese uh, you know self-aggrandizement or nationalism, I guess. But the the investor described the Billy Billy being uh, again a, a place for community. That's kind of what I. It's kind of what I love. I just it's hard for me to wrap my head it's around. It's very hard to figure out if that's that's the reality because of the of the you know the cultural barrier it's a massive cultural barrier but it's all about risk reward listen it's a huge market we're not talking about the u.s we're talking about a market that's 10x the size right 10x size it's that's insane guys you know and there's like you know there's 400 million in in china's youth yeah i i almost feel like this is a an interesting trade on china um it's an interesting trade on the growth of china on the youth of china uh it's fascinating because it fits something really interesting I can't say for sure that we're going to see massive growth here, but I feel like they're they have when, a when niche. Was, when was Billy Billy founded, and how how quickly did it catch on? Um, it was founded in two thousand nine um, by a I believe a college student, um, and I I would say that it took off right then and there because um, to get back into the history, it was trying to emulate um, it was trying to emulate Nico Nico, uh, but the but for the Chinese market, because obviously there's that Japanese Chinese language barrier. Um, and back in 2009, I would say generally China was less, you know, receptive to, you know, Japanese anime and, you know, uh, really, you know, uh, content from any other culture. But that's, you know, that's been liberalized a lot in the past decade. And so it, I guess it kind of grew with that. But it was the space uh, for anime fans um, in China. So at that point in 2009, I would say that it was hyper concentrated with pure anime fans that wanted to talk about it all day, basically share videos. And they even started streaming very early. This is just from their Wikipedia, but they actually got into some legal trouble because they wanted to um, cast some uh, some new anime on the Billy Billy site. So they've had um, they've had aspirations to to stream content, to push content out, to create new content for a long time. All right. So in my mind, this is a trade on China. It's a trade on China's China's youth, and it's a trade on anime, right? Like if I believe that the market is is underappreciating Chinese youth and anime and culture, really, I, I don't even want to pull. I want to pull that back. It's really more about a trade on Chinese culture, right? On on the on the evolution of that culture into anime and youth and streaming and all the wild things we're talking about on this show and, and that happen in the East that don't happen as much in the west like you know virtual youtubers right and and like it's obviously coming here a little bit but these are I things would... that dave we can't wrap our head around yeah i mean even when it does happen here early like the youtuber who unwrapped christmas presents and you never saw them they just unwrapped things and and they got like a billion views you know yeah, some things just don't make thing. sense and culturally i won't understand but I get the, I, you know, I get the appeal. And if this is not just the YouTube of China, but it's way bigger, it's a, it's this community and continues to grow. And it really comes down to, we need to find like solid answers on whether or not there is well, it's not just YouTube, for... right? We already know that because it's it's not just ad supported, right? They've also got the yeah. gaming revenue, they've got product revenue, so yeah. and they've yeah. got genuine growth, right? And so it's a different. Yeah. I think it's a different animal. Also, Jordan, I feel like the one the one thing I do know is I do know the mindset of the American institutional investor on Wall Street. I know it very well, and I I think if 
they're looking at this company. And Dave, that screen that you brought up earlier with the what do you call that style of chat? Where it's the just, bullet chat. It's just, yeah, yeah I, I feel like you have an in, if you have an institutional investor looking at that, it's going to be really hard for them to get conviction in the in the in the, in the future of this cultural movement because they're going to be like that's just stupid. It's just ridiculous. And that's what I like. I like the fact that this is so foreign to the way we think as institutional investors here in America. I think that that gives this company a potential opportunity for for information imbalance, right? Um, I don't understand it. If I don't understand it, and I've spent the last 15 years of my life really focused on youth culture, not in the East, but in the West, um, I think it's going to be really hard for sell-side banks here to wrap their head around it, for hedge funds to wrap their head around it until it's undebatable. And you saw what happened. This quarter, it was kind of undebatable of how well they did. Look at the stock. Stock Mm -hmm. popped huge. It's what, tripled over this year? I think something like that. It's done very well. Yeah. And it kind of stagnated through the summer. And I think um I think sell side is just looking at the the metrics and they look great. Yeah. And so that's why they're invest that's why they're invested. And uh, but you know, you know, I'm not an expert at looking at looking for sell side research, I would say, but I didn't really find anything concrete about, you know, the, the things we're talking about today, why this is a play on culture, why this why anime is is uh why anime is a, a kind of a moat. Um it's just not talked about. They're just I feel like they're just looking at the revenue numbers, they're seeing, yes, they're paying for growth, but it it, it has a good roadmap, has a diversified revenue stream, and that they're going with that. Hey, I, I, I saw enough. I'm throwing some money into Billy Billy, you know, a couple thousand shares, low six-figure investment. But more than that, it's something I'm going to now keep an eye on uh, the next, call it 12 to 18 months. I'm going to keep an eye on anime trends. If they start to fall apart, if I really start to see this pulling back, I might get out of this investment. If I see anime trends continue to be healthy, and I mean, goodness, if they start to accelerate or even maintain 2020 growth uh, that we're seeing on G trends in 2021. I think that's a really big signal for myself to double or even triple down in my Billy Billy investment. But I, I've seen. I feel like what now, you're doing now, like you, you don't have enough conviction concept. to go with a big trade here. You're just like, I want to be in it. Just you know, but you're you're. It's more of just a way to keep it on your radar and remember to check up on it because you'll see it in your portfolio and be like, oh yeah, I need, <laughs> I need to check on uh, anime again. Well, that was the point that I was going to make is that like, when do you know when the anime trend kind of levels off? Like you're not in that world, so you're not going to know. No, I'm not, but I I can still kind of look at the data and now I have JJ, right? So uh, (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll ping him every quarter. (laughs) But the thing is, Jordan, the way I'm thinking about it, normally I'll enter a trade when I see an information imbalance and exit on information parity. This time, I know it sounds a little weird, I'm entering a trade because I think that the the, the environmental factors are such that an information balance is likely to happen or exist, right? Yeah, Meaning yeah. that that I don't think our institutional investors are, or even Chinese institutional investors, which I know are probably not in their 20s, understanding what's happening at Billy Billy. Yeah, I mean, it's totally a youth thing, right? right? It's, it's this youth culture phenomenon that really isn't uh, understood by old folks like us. Yeah, there's an atmosphere. There's an Boomers. atmosphere for an information imbalance to be likely, not that one necessarily exists. And so, listen, I'm in a place where I'm willing to put a small amount of money in 
confident that, because I know that there's more likely than not likely to be an information imbalance with this type of company, and they happen to be doing very well right now, that we know. Um, I'll put my money on the fact that that's likely to continue at least for the next six months, um, and, and we'll see how it goes. But it, listen, JJ, this is awesome. I don't know if you guys have anything else for him or anyone else. No, I think this has been really good. Thank you. Yeah. Dude, you're going to be no, a- thank you. We appreciate it. Yeah, you'll be a killer social arb investor well, by the over. time you're like 22. 19. <laughs> That's already there. <laughs> yeah, you're already uh, there. It's amazing. Yeah, thanks, man. Hey, stay active. In, by the way, Discord, what is your handle on the Dumb Money Discord? By the way, dumbmoney.tv uh, forward slash Discord if you guys need an invite. What's your handle? It's John J. She, just, uh, you know, just as it is here. John J. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, connect with JJ and Discord. Thank you. Keep up the good work. And uh, guys, we have, do you know how many high conviction thesis reports have been entered into our chat uh, Discord in the last week? It's it might, we kind of mind numbing. It's like we might need to go to seven day a week shows here. Like, <laughs> legit. No way. Been. I'll let you do that. Uh, I might be paring down to three days a week again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this is awesome. That was uh, good. Thanks, man. Um, what else, dude? I've I've just been watching the live chat. Uh, yeah, there's there's just. I, I saw am, that um, we had one of our one of our viewers who's still a huge fan of the show was throwing some shade towards you, Chris, and your uh, and a few misses that you've had recently. Have you do you see that uh, from Gordon in the chat? We we love to be not, transparent. Like when I see when I see things, you know, it's it's I love to encourage the conversation. So what are, um, are we, is he referring to Nick? My latest the latest leg of my Nicholas short is that what he's referring to? Is, uh, I like Chris and these guys. Love the channel. Will always be a subscriber and support it. But Chris has botched uh, some of his recent trades. He says, um, I was going to hold the short, uh, you were going to hold your short on Nicola Tuesday and since then it's gone. Uh, the trends to get, uh, you tend to get into stocks after a huge run up. Um, still like the channel, love Chris and these guys, great format, but I think it's important to point out that some of the mishaps, uh, some of the mishaps too, so that we can uh, all learn what here. Are, and that's that's what, what it's all about. Here's the thing, the if, you're, if you're 100%, you're lying, right? And so I think that's the, that's what we should all learn here. No, I, I, I say this. I say if you're at a hundred percent, you're probably missing out on opportunity. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. Wait, wait. Yeah, you're being way too conservative with your choices. So, so Nicola. Yeah, so, so Nicola and also the the uh, bounce back trades. We we uh, you, you doubled down after the run up. I did too. Um, I doubled down. Did you double down? I didn't double down, but I jumped in. You remember you oh, doubled down and then you halved back? Yeah, I, I halved back. Yeah, I halved back. And now they're all up. I mean, listen, I'm killing it in all those trades right now, aren't you, Dave? Uh, yes, I am actually. I'm up in all of them. Yeah. I, I can pull up my. I have a separate spreadsheet just to track these trades because I was just curious for my own uh, satisfaction. Uh, what is it called? It's, I think I just labeled it trades. Hey, um, guys, let's talk about the one that didn't work out. I want to talk about the Nikola. Nikola trade um, worked out fabulously, but this last leg of it, the last 24 to 36 hours, I stayed in the short. Um, now, remember, the, the money that I'm in that short, uh, you know, I've been shorting this thing since, what, 2029-ish? 20, uh, but the puts that I repurchased are not doing well. They're probably down 70%. But I only used the profits from my last set of Nikola puts, which I made, I think, $180,000 in over the past three, four Four days. So, yeah. so even if I lose 100% of these puts, I'm still fine on the last week of Nikola trading. But that said, it didn't work. So let's talk about that for a second. Right now, it's not working. I am surprised that uh, Trevor is not dumping more of his share. Okay, that was a. It's obvious he's not dumping more of his shares. If he was, we should be seeing a much larger drop here. I, I believe would be sub 15 at this point. But uh, Bosch sold their shares. Bosch has still, I think, 4.9 percent 
percent of the company, which is about 18 million shares, guys, they came out with a report yesterday uh, saying that they sold, I think, I don't know, it was a five million, a few million shares to get them below the five percent level to where they no longer need to report whether they're selling shares. So my assumption is that Bosch will likely sell a chunk or all of their shares at some point, whether they're doing it right now or not. Um, I think, and Bosch was their largest partner after GM, right? That was a huge red flag for me. Trevor's going to hold some of his shares, it looks like. I don't know. That, my whole my whole thing with the Nikola trade is I didn't do a direct short because I thought there could, there was this likelihood that there's something in the news that will happen that will pop the stock up. And I, I wanted to have a limit to my downside risk there. And so I'm, I have puts and I bought, I bought them further out. I didn't buy the weeklies. I bought them for uh, next month. Yeah, um, my thesis and on- I will pull up the uh, the spreadsheet for the bounce back trades. These are the ones that I got into. I published this on the um, uh, Discord channel, and the real time tracker on the gain and loss is seventeen percent gain on things that I bought. Um, so I have I have one point six million dollars in trades that I bought, including Save, Spirit Airlines, American Airlines, Marriott, uh, Saber, Carnival, Norwegian, Wynn, Las Vegas Sands, and uh, Caesars. Yeah, and by the by the way, today my Nikola puts are down eighteen thousand dollars, and my Nikola short is down forty five hundred. So I'm down twenty two thousand on Nikola day. But guys, to put that in the context, I'm still up four hundred eighteen thousand on the day, right? So, uh, but but I do want to talk if there's other but, trades. But I think the important Neo thing to note here pumped. is it we are not financial advisors. We can't we couldn't say that enough. <laughs> and Chris in particular is super risky. He does things that I won't do. I'm kind of in the in the middle. I'll, I'll do some of what he does, but I don't go in as heavy. And the fact that Chris loses money on a lot of his trades is by design because he knows that he will lose money in some, but he wants to kill it. He wants to murder it on the trades that go right. And so that's what it's all about. It's not about winning every time. It's about, for you, it's about winning more than not. And for me, it's, it's about trying to uh, just be a little more rational and normal um someone's asking if i've doubled down we doubled down. i have we have not doubled down on the bounce back trades but what we have done is i hate when they use this word on like cnbc but like we have nibbled more like i've nibble. added do they say of- nibble on cnbc <laughs> oh yeah there's oh, there's one lady that says that she's nibbling on things yeah literally yeah. every time I, she's on i added i added a stock that someone did a high convict trade on uh, a report on our discord today it was a bounce back stock that we didn't talk about and i looked at it real quickly. I said, what the hell? I'm going to add some. It was Playa Hotels and Resorts, P-L-Y-A. So I, I bought a small six-figure position in them. Um, so I am slowly adding to that trade, guys. I just haven't doubled down yet. I don't know why. Um, I just, in my gut, I'm just, I feel, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I am more nervous today about the stimulus than I was, uh, you know, a little while ago, pre-election, right? In terms of a real stimulus, a real, like, robust money in your pocket pocket, cash money stimulus. Like I'm nervous at that big cash money stimulus of like unemployment for 500 a week. Whoever you are, you get 500 a week in perpetuity for all next year. I thought we had the agreement to agree. I thought, I thought the, uh, we had had an agreement to to negotiate, I believe. Yeah. That's what they say, 
hey, but Jordan, I don't like, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling like it's like a slam dunk right now or anything close to that. So that's what's holding me back from borrowing. Understand something, guys. If you're watching this channel, I, as of today, I have $12 million in margin. So on top of my brokerage account being 100% invested, I'm borrowing $12 million from Ameritrade to on top of being 100% invested. So for me to double down on those on those bounce back stocks, I would have to borrow another six or seven million, about six more million from Ameritrade. So that yeah, would put you're me pretty up much all in. million in, in, in leverage, in, in margin. Um, that's a big decision, guys. Like that's not a decision I make lightly. Okay? Have you, have you lo even looked to see what your current buying power is, how much you could, like if you wanted to go all in, how many more millions you could actually buy at this point? Because uh, you're I'll in some things six, that are not marginable. Right? You're in. Look right now. It says. Because your, your risk tolerance is definitely different than mine. Dave, margin available. It says I have 10.4 million of margin available as of right this moment. Still available. Um, but Good I also you. have negative 2.6 million of cash available. So, so it's like total 7.7. .7 so I don't really understand it. I have I have 43 million of day trading buying power, whatever that means. I don't know what that means either. Well, that means but, closing out before the end of the day because you would not have that much buying power to stay in those positions long term, but you can be in $40 million worth of day trades that you get out of before they close. Gotcha. So, so I just want you all to know that like I'm not doubling down unless all, everything is like I'm feeling right. I'm feeling right. Like the stimulus thing, if I see stimulus like coming back I, that would lead me to double down potentially on these bounce back trades because i'd feel a little more comfortable that we're going to have a cash money 2021 you know everybody's going to be cash rich next year but you know without that you're betting on it right now you are betting it that today? there's going like, to be, gotta be a little more cautious free money flowing into people's pockets that will go right back into the economy and to our businesses that we're we're thinking i think that it's airlines and cruise lines and casinos oh my what do you yeah I, I i agree i agree um yeah have you looked at that saber someone said i got into saber at seven solely due to chris's information thank you i hope not solely dude. i hope you spend yeah you hope you did your own research you should do your own research own and make research, sure that it's a good guys. investment for you saber is yeah, up 29 percent from when i when i got in it and my biggest nice. winner from that uh bounce back day the day that everything was already up like huge i got in late and knew that it was late but i knew that yeah. it, it was early for the eventual recovery and American Airlines is up 38% from the time that I bought it. And the only okay. one that's negative right now is LVS, Las Vegas Sands. 1% mm. down. You know, yeah. I have a million dollars of Spirit Airlines. <laughs> I can't believe I own that much of that. Hey, it's up 7% today. That's the one that I, I didn't know. buy. I, I bought I bought Southwest instead. And it's doing uh, well. I mean, I'm still up, you know, a good amount. But I bought Southwest because you, you did. And um, <laughs> Makes me I bought that other thing that you told me to buy. Um, the XLE, or did you buy Citigroup? Yeah. You didn't buy Citigroup, though. Is XLE not up. doing well? I can look. Oh, no, they're all, they're all great. Yeah. All right. So I was yeah. just looking at my uh, available funds. I have $22.8 million available for day trading. There's no way I'm doing $22.8 million of day trading. They should just <laughs> not even allow me to do that.
Um, someone asked about malls. Just don't know. Like, by the way, when I say I don't know, it's not for any lack of research or trying to figure it out. I have been losing sleep over these bounce back trades for six months, and I can't make a decision on the whole commercial real estate thing. I really can't. I just can't quite figure it out. I know that they're like buying, they're buying the bad tenants, right? To keep them as tenants, to keep tenants. which is really odd. Isn't that odd? That's odd to me. Like so, that would be like, I can't think of an, uh, an example where the business that you're in is doing so poorly that you need to buy the other businesses that support you. You're, you, you're, you're, really, you're, you're a car maker and you're, you can't make any money building cars. So you're going to buy the tire company too. Do you know why Dave they're doing that though? Because they feel like they get more value out of having that company stay in the mall than losing them and have the entire mall completely fall apart. That it, It's a desperation move, but like I, Forever 21 I think yeah. is one of those companies and Forever 21 is kind of like an anchor store in a lot of malls. Girls will love to go there and then once they're there, they go to the food court and then they go to some of the smaller stores and they go to some of the novelty stores, right? And so I think Simon, whoever the mall operator was, said, shoot, can we, if we lose Forever 21, that's like, I don't know, 160 malls that are going to have a huge tenant, anchor tenant gone. What if we just give them money or just invest in them or own them? Uh, and then eventually when we come out of this thing, we can just kind of sell it even as a break-even investment, right? And we've saved our mall. Because you know how hard it is for them to find a new tenant to come in a store like that, that people are going to like? I know, it's a, it's a it just seems weird, like a downward, yeah. downhill spiral to me. Like I, the idea of going to a mall now or in the future just seems like I didn't like it, but pre-pandemic, right? I avoided the mall because that just seemed like the worst kind of shopping experience to me. But Dave, can we agree on something that you were there with me and Jordan, you were too, you were a few years younger than us when the dot-com boom happened in 98, 99. Um, and there was tremendous talk back then. It was, there was a lot of talk back then about the mall going away, being yeah. completely dead. Trying like, to figure out what to do with that real estate, turning it into um, like apartments, like with an indoor, yes. you know, in inward facing apartments and that you get an entire store. That would be kind of amazing to have. Like, don't you think that was space the consensus that, was, that used to be then? the gap? Yeah. Dave, wasn't that the consensus? It was, that was they the were going away. That they were going away and somehow, somehow they didn't, they not only didn't go away, but they came back stronger than ever. And here's the difference between being, you know, an old dog that's kind of seen a few of these cycles now, you know, going back in time, you learn, you learn when that happens. You learn when you see the entire world, all the financial press, all the smart money saying, oh, this is a dead industry it's gone and then three four five years later it's not only not dead but it's back stronger than ever i'm like you realize that nobody knows what the hell they're talking about so like you have to really read everything with a filter and that's what makes me think dave i don't know i mean does the mall disappear this time or does it is it come out really weakened with a bunch of amazon fulfillment centers right and weird stuff or does it come back again it could come back i mean maybe you know we talk about the roaring 20s maybe Maybe people are going to want to congregate in a way that they haven't been able to, and the communal shopping experience will have some kind of resurgence. Yeah, I saw, I mean, there was an interesting startup that I was looking at um, a few months ago, and what they, I mean, before the whole pandemic thing came about, and it was interesting, they were trying to take, you know, these mall, you know, um, all the square footage and turn it into a combo where the front side was, you know, a normal mall store, and the back side was like a fulfillment center, and so you could have all these localized fulfillment centers basically spread across all the malls. 
mall, um, which kind of makes sense, right? So maybe maybe you see the mall come back as like a hybrid, um, so that instead of you know, having to go get warehouse space, like you just use a smaller space, you figure out how to make it a little bit more efficient. You still let people try on and return in store, um, but you're shipping things out. Um, for the other part of your business. I just want to put us on the screen here. These are uh, 29 retailers that have filed for bankruptcy in Yikes. 2020. Everything from Neiman Marcus. Well, you know what? Um, Tuesday morning. You know what I think the biggest takeaway from that is, Jordan, is that, and I, I can't say this enough. This is so important. If you're watching the channel right now, write this down, imprint it in your head. Uh, you really... It's really hard to predict the future, okay? You might think you can predict the future, people might write about it, but it's extraordinarily difficult to predict the future. I don't care how smart you think you are, how much money you've made, or how well you've done in the market, it is really hard to predict the future. And I don't like to invest thinking I can predict the future. I would rather focus all my energy on understanding the present really, really well. And if I'm gonna try to predict the future, it can't be very far off, right? Like it has to be running scenarios and like planning for those scenarios um, and having a prepared mind and then just being ready to make certain decisions the very second that one of those scenarios starts to take place. So rather than, hey, say, hey, I'm going to invest in 3D printing because that's going to be the biggest thing ever. Remember when 3D printing was like the biggest thing ever? I would rather say, here's what I'm looking for as a sign that 3D printing is really taking off. And the second I see that thing happen, I'm going to go in deep. I don't know why I'm using 3D printing. It's like a 10-year-old example. But <laughs> I, but like would like the mall's closing like i would rather wait for these scenarios to play out and then short yeah. than to just make these wild predictions cuz that's just i don't know i think it's being idiotic and overconfident but we're seeing Ugh. it happen already. Like the 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 fact that mall uh, owners are having to buy their retailers is like that. That is an event that that should trigger some red flags in your mind. It and, does, um, Dave, But bankrupt uh, J.C. Penny, Simon, and they, Brookfield are also interested in acquiring that if they haven't already. Dave, they see themselves as vulture funding companies, right? They they think they're scraping. They think that they have a strategic advantage, um, and they have an added bonus and buying them because if they buy them and eventually save them, great. But it's not just a break-even investment. It's an investment that paid off huge dividends because now they have their store back in their mall and they don't have to go find... You know how expensive it is to replace that tenant later on? And I think everybody thinks that this is a temporary thing, right? The pandemic we all know is not permanent, uh, hopefully, yeah. right? And we could d debate all day long how this changes us as a society over the next five, six, seven years. I think, it, yeah, more Zoom meetings, more this, like less travel maybe but i don't necessarily think that we're gonna people that didn't go to the mall before uh, that went to the mall before are gonna stop going to the mall in 22 23 like i don't really know why they were going before but but they were <laughs> you know like people don't age and die as quickly as we think they do i think it's pretty dark but they just don't right like they don't people that are doing something today look we still have newspapers dave like people are still paying for far news. fewer but yes i i get your point that <laughs> but, but newspapers are digital companies Years, now. right? Yeah, We've been talking yeah. about the newspapers dying for 20 years. Mm -hmm. right? It's a slow death. It's just too much a, a part of uh, historic culture, I think, for that to completely go away. And there, that, that still seems to be the record of permanent truth is whatever got printed on a piece of paper and then turned into a website. You know what I think is going to be a pretty cool uh, result of this pandemic, like New York specifically? And you'll appreciate this, Dave, because like for those of you all don't know, Dave went to NYU, lived in New York for at least four years. Um, 
you know, New York has become Manhattan. When I say New York, Manhattan yeah. has become pretty annoying the past decade because everything that was interesting or creative in terms of like cool, creative little shops or like super creative chefs that were taking really big risks that were probably not going to pay out, pay off, were not opening up stores in Manhattan anymore. They were going to Brooklyn, Long Island City, like all these different places that for me, visiting because I'm from New York, I don't want to have to go to Brooklyn when I go up to New York. Like I'm in Manhattan taking meetings. I want to be able to go to Lower Manhattan, Lower East Side, Tribeca, and eat at cool places, see cool shops, like see young artists taking big risks. That wasn't that hasn't existed in like a decade in Manhattan. Yeah. I think that has a chance to come back. Now I don't know how long it will last, but we could have a decade of really creative risk takers in cities like New York that are getting rents at half of what they were pre-pandemic. All of a sudden, let's take a risk. Let, let, let's do something fun and cool and interesting because you know all these corporate places are downsizing their their footprint because they're going into e-com, right? Everyone's going into e-com, so like that could get kind of fun. Like I think there's there's yeah. an interesting. I don't know if there's a trade there necessarily, but I think from a cultural standpoint, it's a, it's a cultural trend to watch and be aware of as we're thinking of trades. Guys, what do you think about this question? A couple of people asked here. Would you say casinos don't depend on stimulus since their profitability come from high-end customers? I don't know that their profitability necessarily does come from just high-end customers. By the way, can we and can we just say that casinos are mostly Macau? But what do you guys think about that? The stimulus or lack of it? I think stimulus will help our domestic casinos perhaps more than anticipated. But I think you're right. Yes, yeah, yeah, casinos really are global, it, and yeah. and and Macau is the yeah, especially is when casino. in LVS, right? And so maybe yeah. maybe Penn it helps out a little bit more than uh, than when. But like, let's just say casinos in general. Now let's forget about the Macau part. If you're talking about like you know all the U.S. based casinos, because there's so many of them now, and there's casino laws changing. Will they thrive even without? stimulus next year? Can they still thrive? Because I kind of feel, guys, that people, when they stop buying stuff and start doing stuff, casinos are doing, not it's buying. A, like, it's, it's a, a go-to thing to do that you spend money while you're doing it, right? It's an yeah. activity. It's a, a vacation. It's like all of the things that people are wanting to do in 2020 when they can get yeah, out and do things is, again. But again, how long does it take, you know, I mean, I'm being too practical here, but how long does it take the vaccine to distribute? Are you going to require that people wear face masks still until, you know, there's like some big majority of people that have taken the vaccine. I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm wanting to go to. I wouldn't go to a casino, but I'm not a big gambler, so. But you're also you're also really kind of deep, you know you think a lot about like me. You think a lot about this, and you're really cautious, right? Um, I think Jordan, there were a ton of people doing this stuff three months ago. You know? I know, yeah, they would wear the mask and they would pull it down and smoke their cigarette and then pull it it's back up. Wild, <laughs> man. And I I still feel that the what we've been preaching since March and April, even at the worst of the first wave, we were talking about. Remember we're talking about the roaring 20s 2020s and the peak of the first wave of the pandemic i feel that that force is so big and so strong that yeah i don't uh stimulus or no stimulus yeah i think yeah. casinos are gonna crush it next summer i think they're gonna crush it dude i think vegas is gonna be on fire I fire agree. Okay? that's why i bought some casino stocks on the day that they were all up and i'm down slightly one percent in lvs but but when you've got to be up and win right i'm up and win yeah yeah up uh, I, I, up 8% in win I'm down, uh, up 11% in Caesar yeah um, the thing is 
I think you're right. I think that people are people want something to do. And if you think of experiences that you can do on a whim, jumping on a plane and going to Vegas, it not it's not for you and me, Jordan. It's definitely like until they come up with a casino that doesn't have smoking at all, like even though they may have the best air filtration systems in the world, I think that the American Lung Association should just open their own casino that is smoke free. And because then I could actually go in and enjoy myself. My eyes burn when I go into a casino. See, I, can't I don't. Do Enjoy Vegas is not for me. I do not enjoy 90% of the stuff. I like restaurants, and that's pretty cool in Vegas. But other than that, I don't really like the shows. I don't really like gambling. So I'm like, uh. I love the shows. Jordan, you there's good to people, watch. no, there's the people watching, which I do enjoy. I'm into that. But uh. Can I just say something? Vegas, I, I went through a period when we were traveling to Vegas for work at E. Carlos that I really started to hate Vegas. Okay. And I was, I'm with you. Like, but I've now been back to Vegas, I don't know, half a dozen. I don't know, four or five times with my family. Not maybe not maybe three, four times with my family. It is the gr the greatest place if you know how to do it now. And you, you need Jordan, Dave. You're right. The cigarette smoke can get a little frustrating, but the shows, Jordan, Love are mind blowingly good. Like mind blowingly, the best shows I've ever seen in my life. Like you want to tell the story of your uh, David Copperfield? Of yeah, I just don't want to go see Celine Dion. I mean, I'm out. You well, don't have well, to see Celine, Celine Dion. See. You can you can see whatever you're interested in. If you like to see acrobats doing things. Things that are insane in the but air, you can do no, that. If you I've want to see a magic it. show, I've, you can yeah, do that. I've already seen it. I've seen the magic. I've seen it all. The, my, the Michael Jackson, the Michael Jackson show is mind blowing. The Beatles show is mind blowing. The uh, we see a concert every New Year's Eve, like Gwen Stefani, with like two thousand people. Like you're seeing a concert that's designed for like. 40, you don't see Maroon Five. Like I'm definitely out on that. Well, no, that that's my kid loves that. My yeah. kid loves. My and kid you was love it. Son. You love it too. I, I took we know you do because you love that. <laughs> but but Jordan, you, you there are so many. It's amazing, and the restaurants are just. It's so fun if you do it the right way. I do you're like the restaurants. Do, I do like the restaurants, and the, the, I'm fine with that. You're used to doing it the way we did it at Carlos, which was literally just just slugging it for three days. It was the worst. Yeah. Like I yeah. promise you, I can show you Vegas. And it is better than it. that. I've been back since those days, and and if without even going into the casino, there is plenty of things that are entertaining and between good restaurants and shows really that's all you need it's kind of like going to new york totally totally dude they, by the way i don't want to spend more than 72 hours in vegas ever but it's it's it could be great it could be great and i think people listen we're also getting up there we're not in our 20s anymore let's just say that and if you are in your 20s it's still the greatest funnest most ridiculous place to go right now, and, Jordan, and, and you I can be that guy who buys the cabana just to hang out at the pool me? You think I want to buy a? <laughs> you think I'm going to pay to hang out at a pool that I'm already paying to get a room in? Have you met me? <laughs> you know how cheap I am. <laughs> I know it's it, never going it, to happen. It's, it's it's a tough. It's tough. I'm like I've got a pool I, I in my backyard and I get free cabana every day. Yeah. So so George says I live in Vegas and I've been to Strip twice in nine months. I get it. They, it's a whole different world off off Strip in Vegas. But whew. anyway, all right. That I was a good tangent. Like what? That was a great tangent we went into. Do they have good anime shows in Vegas? That's what we need to know. No, but Cirque du Soleil is amazing. I really hope that the industry there survives because I know they had to basically lay off oh, all yeah. of I mean, the that's performers. Be a and it, huge, it's yeah, huge deal for all those performers it's and artists. Terrible. Ugh, yeah. I'm really hoping that it's able to come back. Could we talk about just for a minute our our friend, our non-friend, uh, the guy Hi Lopez? He continues to buy a new 
junky bankrupt brand every other week. He just bought another one this week. He bought like he bought Dress Barn a few weeks ago, and this week he bought which one did he buy? By the what way, is... is that not the most unflattering name for a business that you can possibly come up with? Dress oh Barn. God. Oh my god. Maybe it, it's a great business. I have no idea, but the name just doesn't. So he has, wow he has Pier One. <laughs> he has the Dress Barn. He he probably also has the Dress oh, Shack. Wait, he's got he's got Pier One now. Yeah, he's no, Pier no, One. Yes. Linens George, and things. He one that's almost as bad as Dress Barn. He bought Steinmart this week. Oh, yeah. Steinmart. Uh, Model sporting goods. Zero fun. He, he bought the Franklin Mint. You know that they sell they sell coins on like TV for yeah you can like buy eight hundred number. Or are they the ones that are asking but, you to buy gold and silver? No, I think that's yeah, a different one. But he yeah, probably okay. owns one of those too. But here's what he's gonna do. He's going to he's just buying the brand, and then I think I think they're just gonna fill these brands with the cheapest Chinese merchandise that you've ever seen in your life. And I thought that's what Pure One Imports was to begin with. No, 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 no. I don't think you know. I'm no, I think it was it was sourced from around it. the world, and he's now going to. Basically, turn it into an e-commerce brand, right? Yeah, Where you can yeah. buy Jordan. you can buy Wayfair stuff through the Pier One new yeah, Pier why One wouldn't website. You do that? I feel like that's actually a decent idea, right? If, as long as you can get the brand name cheap enough, like people will flock to those brand names. Yes, that's that's, that's his entire strategy. strategy. I mean, a, I'm fine with the idea. So basically, know what he's doing? He's doing the old Sharper Image Brookstone model. You know, when yeah. Sharper Image went out of business, someone bought Sharper Image, mm -hmm. and then they literally just took what was there's a thousand websites that sell that stuff. They just basically rebranded one of those generic websites as Sharper Image and everything's called Sharper Image now and all the products are branded Sharper Image yeah. and instead of selling you a random product you get one with the name Sharper Image. It's no better but yeah. some, some You can get one of those wine openers where you crank it down. They, they love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. But some Sell percentage. An $8,000 massage chair? Giant yeah, black thing to put wait, in your living room? Chris, weren't you going to buy an $8,000 massage chair? You could get it at the Sharper Image. It's still a possibility. Okay. <laughs> I, I have... I toy with that idea every year because of my back okay yeah. and and honestly they are so good now they are so good i promise you if you were to experience this one chair that i experienced you would you would seriously consider buying it like i thought about it but then I won't, I mean, I won't even buy a new laptop. I want that new M1 laptop. And I'm like, eh, this thing, you know, it's, it's fine. It's 2017. Let me tell you, Jordan, this will do so much more for your life than a laptop. Like, like it, it is, it's as good as like a real massage. It's sick, these chairs. I know. I, I haven't bought love it. But then I'm like, how many massages do I have to go get? You got to get like 50 massages to, to pay for it. You'll be getting a massage a day you know. in this chair. But no, what I'm saying is I don't get 50 massage. I don't, I don't think I've had 50 massages in my lifetime. So I'm definitely don't think it's worth what it for if, me to invest. But what if there in, was a masseuse in the corner of your room with a with a massage bed ready to go 24 hours a day and all you had to do is just walk up and lay down and they started massaging you? You'd get one probably every day, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't want people touching me. <laughs> no, it's not you. Here we go. Oh my God. They're, they're way they're way cheaper now. You can you can actually it's no longer eight thousand dollars, Jordan. You can actually get a sharper image brand human touch for less than three thousand dollars. Oh, three grand. This is the one Chris wants. This is the one Chris wants. The the full no, on. You want to spend? You want to spend four to five thousand? Is what you want to spend? This one's ten thousand. All right. So Should Leon's telling me that this. I need a massage every month, and I agree. I probably do need one, but I just go ahead and let it just just keep the 
the tightness, the keep it back there, it drives Oh, actually, it drives that $9,900 one, that's a good one. $10,000 one that looks like a, an oval, that's a <laughs> it, really nice one. It yeah. better be. We're, we're watching it a video is. on that one now. It, it, it has it has a seatbelt. Oh, no, that's maybe the back massager. It has a Where, center. It in the living room? No, you have to have a massage chair room. room for this one. There's no way you're going to... Uh, <laughs> Put this in a well, I public like add on area. a room to my house to get. Yes. Or I could, I could just do. You know what I could do? I could put it right here, and I could do the episodes. Oh my god! Would you? Yeah. Uh, think about it. Think about it, Dave. How much? Think money about how I much money you saved camera? on your camera equipment. <laughs> you could. You could That's get this chair for the price that idea. Chris and I have spent on camera lights and lenses. The thing is, I actually have a really nice camera. I just. I don't have it hooked up. <laughs> I might abandon this whole experiment, Dave, and I might go back. I might go back. Should. I mean, yeah. just go back. You can't I go tried. Back. I feel like I, I look. Mean, I look okay. You look yeah, great. I mean, for a 2011 camera, it's not too bad. But you I didn't have. A I had some focus. I know. Um, so Steinmart, here's the funny thing. I was looking about Steinmart. So you, you do the whole thing with Steinmart, but do people even, I suppose somewhere people do like the Steinmart brand. I, I don't like, but e-commerce, I know who shops Steinmart. I don't feel that they're online buying a lot of clothes. Like they, you want to see those type clothes. I, what do I know? I, I, I always thought of that home. store. Isn't that I mean, one of those stores? That was like where grandmother shopped 15 years ago. Yes. Exactly. I, I feel like that's almost like a precursor to like a market or a Ross. Isn't that what that is? Where it's like leftovers from other stores that get a, like accumulated into a single store where your grandma can go and buy them? No, but it's big. Yes, but it's big business. It's huge, big business. And by the way, like the clothes there are good. Like there's nothing wrong with the clothes there. Um, they're good. The, the problem is it's the demographic. They're not really buying e-com apparel, I don't think. But who knows, guys? He's buying this stuff so cheap. I know it sounds like a lot, six million, but he has a partner who I think puts up all the money. They have all these brands and what they're trying to do is I've seen his commercials. They're trying to raise money from like normal people. Yeah, like, kind like of the funding. same way that that Florida dude did his all the real estate. Grant Cardone. So he, yeah, Cardone? he's trying to pull Grant Cardone, I think, where he's so, a bench, basically saying invest in these brands. I'm a magician when it comes to branding and hype. He is a magician when it comes to hype. That's for sure. We, we have so now what's brands. a bit with that? I mean, if you if there's a certain type of fund, you can raise it from unaccredited investors, right? It's a For me, I wouldn't do it because it feels like a legal risk. No, no I'm not saying you. I'm Lopez. just saying that, that there is the ability to do that. There is the ability to do that. And I don't think Ty Lopez is like worried about legal, like worried about <laughs> his worst case scenario. That guy just like does stuff. <laughs> he just does not care. So uh, he's going to do it. I can't wait yeah. to see if it works or not. Like, wait, did he buy Radio Shack? What? That's what I saw somebody else say. He did. He bought Radio Shack. It's coming to you using the same framework for Pier 1, Radio Shack, and Steinmart. They're just going to be online. Dave, could we buy, if this deal goes bad, maybe we could purchase Radio Shack from Ty when it goes bankrupt again in like three or four years for like, I don't know, 50 grand? I wouldn't, that'd be cool. <laughs> sell radios? Like what, I mean... I, I, I think know. we we would just make it a, a an adapter store. It's the only store where you can buy every adapter and dude, uh, that would be a great idea. Random mm -hmm. parts. I'm out. You can buy, buy grip equipment and adapters. Yeah, called Amazon. <laughs> That's <laughs> the problem. Uh, how do you how do you try to funnel people to Steinmart when there is an Amazon? And by the way, I think um like the uh, Marshalls and Rosses are for the first time ever doing an. 
online uh, e-commerce driven store, right? They're just starting to, They're just right? starting. Just starting. And that's always yeah. been a destination, shop the aisles and find that hidden gem. Now you're going to be able to just click away. But here's the thing, guys, like people that shop at those stores really enjoy the experience of going to the stores and going to those aisles. Like it's, it's like a thing. It's like an experience. Like it's part of their day. It's part of their week. Like yeah. it's, I don't know. He doesn't, for that little money, he doesn't have to make that much money. Like that's, he just, it doesn't cost a lot of money to syndicate other, to like buy other people's, you know, drop ship products. Right, Dave? Cause yeah. that's, you, he doesn't even have to inventory anything. You could just like slide the brand I'm, over an existing. I'm pretty sure that's what Pier 1 is. We Remember we went to the website and just kind of clicked around. It looked like the exact same stuff you could find on other websites, the exact same photos and everything with just, yeah. you know, you're buying it from that website instead of Wayfair is the example that comes to mind because they have pretty much everything and they're all drop ship. I know they inventory some stuff, but. Well, that's Wayfair's business model from when they started before they were Wayfair is that they basically just, you know, figured out a way to sell goods online that people were searching for. And then they did deals with the, uh, you know, these distributors that had the inventory. Uh, you want to unlock yeah, 10%? super special there. Are but you is, as, long as, as long as like they are able to curate some content, like put together this little like setting around a fireplace and turn that into something you can buy, I would buy all of those trees if I could just buy them with one click and someone pick them. I'd put them right back here on this shelf. Well, that's the thing. It's all about curating content, right? And if, if they can pull that off better than others can, then good for them. They potentially have a shot at it, right? This looks better than when we first went to that website. Um, when when, it, when they first announced this deal and they first put the site online, it was just hodgepodge. Now, the fact that yeah. the homepage has these curated collections does look a little bit promising for what they're trying to do with the brand. Although well, I click that picture and I don't see any of the items that were in that picture. I think that was just a stock photo of nice in door Christmas and now here are the, the items problem, they actually have. Right? You're right. They have a nice stock photo that, <laughs> that like their marketing manager does and then it pipes you, does it pipe you into like a generic API of junk? Well, let's just, let's just see. I, I wanted those Christmas trees that were on the mantle and when I filter for Christmas trees, it looks like I'm getting full size ones and then some maybe here's a here's a five foot tree. I don't need that. I want something that's short. Okay. Um. Nope, I'm not finding that. Here's is that five feet or five inches? That's five feet that that's five feet in that little basket that doesn't seem possible <laughs> uh, oh my god oh these are all sold out too why would they have a bunch of sold out stuff on I their did, website? that doesn't that doesn't make any sense is their you website just like you know why jordan i'll tell you why because they're just i think they're just piping in like if we open up dumb money christmas trees tomorrow i'm pretty sure we can get the same exact feed of trees and we don't get to control <laughs> what it looks like or which ones are sold out or that's the issue here right no you just you figure out if it's got the sold and you just do if then and then you uh, uh, take out the sold one. Oh, they they actually have it. that functionality. They just didn't leave it checked by default. So I can do in stock only and they have 20 Ooh. Christmas trees in stock. Now I cannot filter by height or anything other than green or white. That's it. Good controls here. I wonder if they host this on AWS. So basically this is what overstock was, right? I mean, same model, same as Wayfair. Like, oh, yeah. there's just, there's no barrier to entry in doing this. And they know that. So yeah. like, if there's no barrier to entry, let's just buy, a, let's buy these brands real cheap. Then it's just, I mean, it's land. just a race to how much, you know, how little margin can you make and still make it profitable? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. What a crappy um, business to be in. I know. Okay, but I guys. would like to own uh, Radio Shack at some point. So let's set our sights on that. 
I have a call that you guys can join me on. Um, <laughs> Should we just stream it for the rest of YouTube? <laughs> yeah. All of it's, you, just you all join for the call. No, it, it's with Leon and a couple people from the community, and it's going to be on a Zoom. I could shoot it to you if you want to join. It's Jordan. It's like a mini ticker tag type of thing for the community, but not with social. It's like with Gtrend type data. So nice. like talking about doing this for the community. I'll shoot it to you if you want to hop on. You can. But what I time? Have to end like, this right now. <laughs> yeah. We should are waiting. We're waiting. Um, oh, you're late for this by call? By the way, I do want to say one thing. The fund for the community, we haven't forgotten about. You. We're doing the fund. We're in conversations right now with a partner. I think we found the partner. It's going to be really exciting. We're going to open up a fund. We're going to seed it. And the community gets to manage the fund and enjoy the spoils of the fund. Okay? Like, that's something that we're giving to the community. Um, it's happening. Just be patient, guys. Patient. It's going to be so fun to do. So it's coming soon. That's it. Thank you for that important update. Is that going to do it for today's show? I think so. Well, we thank you all so much for watching. If you if you haven't done the things and liked the buttons and clicked the links and done all the things, just go to dumbmoney.tv and you can find all the nice places where we are. If you if you haven't been a part of our Dumb Money Discord group, that's probably the flip like the first place to go because that's where where these conversations continue. Uh, we do always love it if you watch the video all the way to the end. And the fact that you're here right now and whether you're watching it live or watching it uh, in the replay. You are our favorite people. You made it all the way to the end. So leave us a comment. Let us know that you made it to the end. You never know. We might send you a free t-shirt, which you can get, by the way, on dumbmoney.tv. Not for free, but for cost. All right, that's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for watching. We're Dumb Money. We will see you tomorrow. Mm.